0: Radio studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center.
1: Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: We will talk more about Ukraine later. Uh, Several of my favorite thinkers on this say um, it makes no sense that he took those regions. It doesn't fit in with the crazy speech he gave yesterday that he's not going to try to take all of Ukraine. I mean, he made the argument for why Ukraine belongs to Russia, so he's going to just nibble that tiny little piece? Seems unlikely. And it is going to be awful, brutal, many lives lost, many civilians killed. Lots of people think that.
1: Well, and does it usher in a new age of conquest, a new age of, yeah, we don't like this border either, and nobody's going to stop us, clearly, the international bodies
2: have no power, no will, we're going to get, well, the getting's good. If your kid goes to the fridge and just helps himself to a slice of cake, does that offer, uh, usher in a new age of conquest? Depends on your reaction. Do you just watch him do it and do nothing, or do you say, uh, no, you're not having cake? And if you ever do that again, you, you lose your Game Boy for the rest of the week. Mm. Um, so it's up to our reaction, whether it now, ushers in the New Age of Conquest. Now this, uh,
1: this, this uh, cake in the fridge, is that uh, at the work fridge or is that at your house?
2: Uh, i just saying it because i got birthday cake in the fridge. we got a birthday right. cake oh, at home. Okay, Man, I'll tell mind. you what, that gluten-free racket. Get the gluten-free birthday cake. It's like 50 bucks. It's good, and it's
1: gluten-free, oh, yeah.
2: but it's expensive.
3: Man, I
1: like cake. Yeah, I know. Cake with icing. Oh, yeah. man, more than an adult should. There are a lot of the childish <laughs> pleasures I have lost behind. I'm a sophisticated man, but not uh, <laughs> not cake, man. I would a eat childless. an obscene amount of cake right now. I would eat an amount of cake that like fellow adults, if they saw it, would talk about for years right
2: now. Yeah, this cake, it was funny. They, they put, like, two blueberries and a half a strawberry on it, so your mind kind of, oh, it's kind of, yeah, it's a bit of, they are so healthy. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> it weighed, like, 50 pounds It had a half a strawberry on it. So this woman Jenkins was on Bill Maher's show on HBO Friday night. She was the assistant DA in San Francisco. She actually resigned last year because things were so crazy, and she's in favor of the recall of the current guy because things have gotten out of hand. Here she is on Bill Maher's show Friday
3: night. This is an amazing story, something like 40% of your office, right? I I think that's 59 attorneys who are in the law office in San Francisco have resigned or left because they don't like what's going on here. And you're trying to recall, this is, of course, the recall state. Everything gets recalled. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What we do, you're trying to recall the present DA in San Francisco. Tell me why. Uh,
0: Because he's trying to couch lawlessness, uh, as reform and we are watching as lives are being lost and continue to remain endangered by his radical policies almost 60 of us have said that's just not something that we can stand by and, watch. and
3: what are what are the radical policies uh,
0: that he that gangs don't exist that they're a social construct that he's not going to use gang charges he simply wants to find ways not to prosecute and he touts it as being something that helps black and latino communities while ignoring that black and latino people um, suffer the most oftentimes from you know street violence
2: how many black and latino moms and dads believe gangs are a social construct and don't actually Uh, exist right right so let's just start with the premise how crazy is that the assistant da quits and is part of the re- of the recall effort to get her boss out of there because he's so crazy. And part of his craziness is gangs don't exist. There's no such thing. That's a social construct. Wow. Wow. That is actually like cuckoo nuts. As we've reported over and over again, what, 17 Walgreens have closed in the San Francisco Bay Area from getting shoplifted all the time. They get into that topic.
3: And, I mean, San Francisco has a reputation as the most liberal, woke city in the country, but the people there, I, f- I feel like, they're fed up with this. I mean, obviously, there's, there's a divide with the people. I mean, the mayor, I have read some of her quotes on this show recently, Mayor London Breed. And a lot of what we see on the news, I mean, can I, let me show you some footage. This We've all seen footage like this. This is people looting. I think it's a Walgreens, but it's one of those stores. And the question I want to ask as we watch is that, There's a security guard watching, taking a picture. Oh, he tries to grab it. No, sorry, I didn't get it, and goodbye. Why does that happen? Is that because of these policies you're talking about? Because I've seen many like this, where the guard just watches. You're a security guard. This is your job to stop this. Do they think they will be prosecuted? Are they not paid enough? Looks like shoplifting is a legitimate profession now that you can get away with. Why?
0: It's no longer a crime in San Francisco, basically. Uh, They know that the DA's office isn't going to hold these criminals accountable. They're simply going to, even if they are arrested, be let out within hours, back back out onto the street to come back there and walk out with whatever they want again. So why risk their safety?
2: So these nutjobs who have this worldview, if you sat down with them for a couple of hours, like really had a long conversation with them, would you walk away um, like understanding, OK, they have a, uh, uh, a view of things that I don't agree with, but it's like it's coherent and cohesive? Or would you just think these people are completely crazy?
1: Well, that's a a difficult line to draw. I mean, because if you are so ideological that you ignore enormous parts of reality, maybe your ideology has made you functionally nuts.
2: You know what I mean? Because that's the assistant DA saying shoplifting is basically not a crime in San Francisco. So you'd want to ask the DA, so how do you see this playing out? Do you think most people are just honest enough that, they won't shoplift if it's not a crime? I mean, most people are, but everybody's got to be that honest or or it doesn't work. Yeah, it gets
1: confusing because a lot of the radical lefties actually want the system to break down. That is their goal. Right. They want their criminal justice system to to uh, go so nuts and, and crime to be so rampant in the streets, we tear down the system and start again with the, yeah. the Bolshevik uh,
2: utopia. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um because I know Lenin, who uh, Putin referenced yesterday in talking about Ukraine, Lenin believed John that people, v. I. Lenin, V.I. Lenin, Donny, um, uh, V.I. Lenin believed that people committed crimes because of their bad economic circumstances, oppression
1: by like, the uh, the capitalist class. Yeah,
2: like AOC said the other day about uh, people stealing baby formula for their babies not reselling it on eBay for a profit because it's a really expensive item. (laughs) Well, and if your costs are zero, it's easy to make a profit. That's true. The profits are very good when your costs are zero. Uh, One more thing from the assistant DA who resigned.
3: You want to put the bad guys in jail. Uh,
0: We are in a culture now where radical extremism is what's cool. And they have found it uh, appropriate to demonize anyone who wants order in society. Who wants to hold perpetrators of crime accountable in society? Um, if you if you believe that you know murderers should go to prison, uh, then somehow you are a beacon of white supremacy or you're a racist. Uh, and so we've found it acceptable that if somebody disagrees with these radical beliefs, uh, that they are the enemy uh, of social justice.
1: Yeah, see, that's the problem, and that gets back to your question. If the only reason for crime is white supremacy, systemic racism, and the exploitation of the capitalist system, which, again, to quote the half-wit AOC, is unredeemable, well, then you can't, you can't jail people at the end of that process. That's the first thing you have to stop doing, never mind all the victims. And, again, your ideology does not let you recognize the reality of the thing.
2: Am I wrong, or are we really, really living through some crazy times? Like, really crazy. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. just, they seem crazy to me because I'm alive now. Like, over the arc, uh, arc of history of the United States, this seems like it's really, really crazy.
1: Uh, I would say it's it's very, very crazy compared to a lot of the last half century, which was the craziest half century maybe ever, because it was so stable and peaceful for such a large chunk of the world.
2: Right. But it's just it's unfortunate that you've got people in charge of big cities like LA and San Francisco who no longer in New York who no longer believe crime exists at the same time Putin's making fanciful arguments about why you get to just take other countries because you want to. Mm-hmm. What's what's in the water that those two very similar sorts of thoughts are happening? You know what? I think I know.
1: And, and we'd love to hear your reaction, whether uh, the text line, you ought to have this in your phone, because maybe you don't want to comment now, but you will later. Uh, and the email, same thing. Here's the text line, 415-295-KFTC. 415-295-KFTC. Email is mailbag at com. if that's uh, more, more your speed. You know what I think it is? And it relates to one of my great theories about life and civilizations is the post-World War II order. And particularly the post-Cold War era are now old enough that those who would exploit them have figured out how. The systems, international and domestic, have have lasted long enough and been stable enough that the predators and the criminals and the evildoers and the expansionist totalitarians and whatever, they've figured out what works and what doesn't. What are the strengths and weaknesses of uh, the order? Now that we're, you know, depending on which aspect of it, 40 to 70 years into it. Uh, and I just think they're, they, they've figured out how to game the system. That happens to every, every civilization. It, it, it goes from scrappy and tough and practical to prosperous and mature to uh, debauched and decadent and decaying and the rest of it. And I just think we're past our heyday of the pro- post-World War II order. I fear that you're correct. And, I mean uh, I can't decide if that's exactly right or if it's so broad that it it's it's lazy. But I just I see the various actors around the world figuring out, okay, what will the UN do and what will it not do? What will NATO do? What will it not do? What will the you cops know? do? What won't they do? Exactly. It's it's a cost-benefit analysis, like everything human beings do. And I just think they've realized that the benefits are are uh, are, are they exceed, or I sound like a dog. Um, the <laughs> the costs are uncertain, and they're not that bad, and the benefits to, say, snatching up a resource-rich country, now those are pretty clear.
2: Uh, we have an update on uh, Russia-Ukraine, and it's not a good one if you're uh, an average Ukrainian citizen, um, among other things coming up. This hour, we got to get to why kids might not take off their masks even when they can. Hadn't seen this coming. And how Democrats suppress the vote. We'll have that for you in
1: moments.
0: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: So, a couple of international updates, including uh, Ukraine, something that just happened that's not good news. Also, why kids might be hesitant to take off their masks, and it's got really nothing to do with the disease.
1: Yeah, and it's crazy and sad and so revealing, so stay with us for that. Came across this at 538.com That's the, uh, the polling organization and the writing about polling organization yep. and numbers crunchers extraordinaire. Uh, and this is, you know what? I'd known this a little bit, but, man, this is worth knowing. This is how Democrats suppress the vote. In the ongoing fight between Democrats and Republicans over election procedures, like voter ID, early voting, the Democrats are supposedly the champions of higher turnout and reducing barriers to participation. But when it comes to scheduling off-cycle elections... Like those taking place today, it was actually a few days ago, the Democratic Party is the champion of voter suppression. Off-cycle elections are those that are not held concurrent with congressional and presidential elections, which fall in November of even-numbered years. Now, Jack and I have been discussing, and it's become so obvious, and this refers back to one of our earlier topics this hour, the crime and you know rampant shoplifting, the rest of it, is we've all discovered how incredibly important school board elections are. Mask policies, uh, critical race theory, garbage—the rest of it—and uh, we've all discovered. Oh my gosh! Uh, district attorney elections, local elections, county boards—who's the county? Who's going to appoint the county health uh, czar? These things matter. I mean, they've mattered like crazy last couple of years. Well, those are often off-year elections. Uh, they mentioned a uh, few people will vote today. Many elections are taking place, but almost all are for local offices, school boards, for example. And they list a bunch of different places. Um, but only a, sm- a small number of highly engaged voters will participate in these elections for office. Who do you think those highly engaged voters are? And, uh, and, and do you think it's a coincidence that only they will show up for, say, the school board election? Scheduling local elections at odd times appears to be a deliberate strategy aimed at keeping turnout low, which gives more influence to groups like teachers' unions that have a direct stake in the election's outcome. But before getting into the details of off cycle elections, consider the party's basic positions on issues of voter participation. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of a tangent. It's interesting, but it's a tangent, and I'm looking at the clock, and I think we need to move on. Um, 538, never accused of being a right wing organization either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. The election calendar in the United States is an insane mess. Exhibit A is New Jersey. New Jersey holds federal elections with the rest of the country on the first Tuesday after first November, blah, blah, blah. But elections for state offices in New Jersey are held in November of odd number of years. School district elections are held on the third Tuesday in April, or else in November. And fire district commissioner elections are held on the third Saturday in February. And it just isn't New Jersey. Most states, 44 out of 50, hold some state and local elections off the federal cycle. Why? Well, according to a political scientist at UC Berkeley... Uh, the first point is that off-cycle election calendar is not a response to voter preferences. Voters do not like taking multiple trips to the booth. Um, uh, Got to skip ahead. Um, long story short, Democrat-aligned interest groups have outsized representation in the voters booth in all off-year elections that 538 studied. Teachers' unions government employee organizations in general, uh, firefighters, that sort of thing. Anybody who's got the ability to mobilize their people to get to a weird off-year election, which is those years when you do show up, there's nobody there but a couple of oldsters at the table. Uh, they win all those elections, and they know it. That's why you will never see that sort of election on the same day, say, as a presidential election. Interesting. And it's a deliberate strategy. And it's a smart one because, you know, and this, this is reflective of the principles this country is supposed to be built on. It's ground up governing. It's local up governing. And they've got a monopoly on local up. you got a conservative suburb, but your school district appears to be like all wackadoos from, from Amherst. Well, that's why.
2: Russia's parliament has pretty much made war certain in Ukraine, and uh, it ain't just Trump voters who don't want to get or don't like mandates around the world and why kids are not likely to want to take off their masks. If you haven't heard this, it's troubling.
0: Armstrong and Getty.
2: So, before we get to the most interesting thing I've heard all day long about why kids might not want to take off their masks, and um, if you have kids, you'll be thinking about this, I guarantee you. But first, a couple international stories. The upper house of the Russian parliament, whatever that even means, whatever that means. They got a bigger rubber stamp. Uh, the upper house of the Russian parliament has given President Vladimir Putin permission to use military force outside of the country. Everyone oh, persuaded sees, them. Hmm. But everyone sees this as a move that means he absolutely is going to stage a broader attack on Ukraine than just that little chunk that he justified yesterday. So that's happening. I don't know at what point you hit him with the sanctions. So as, as President Zelensky said the other day, You know, so what? Everybody's got to be dead in the streets before you... I mean, it actually has to be over before you do the sanctions, or can you do it now that it's obvious it's happening? I don't know. Different part of the world, New Zealand. violence erupted on the streets of New Zealand all day uh, there, where it's Tuesday, as police moved to disperse protesters challenging the country's coronavirus vaccine mandate. I don't think these international... Disruptions, whether you're talking Canada, New Zealand, Australia, Germany, all over the world, get enough attention from our media who act like it's only rural right-wing Trump idiots who watch Fox News who resist these mandates. Now, there is a a tendency among a certain kind of person, I'm one of them, to not like to be told what to do.
1: Sure, and, and certainly that changes over time, too. New Zealand's been locked down to the point of absurdity for a very, very long time. And people get sick and tired of it. But, you know, our nation's media, they have a choice between uh, truth or facts and uh, narrative. And they go
2: with narrative. It's easier, saves time. I realize a lot of places in the country, you haven't worn masks for a long time, including in your schools. So you don't even know what we're talking about. But, for instance, in California, it's still there's still a statewide mandate that kids wear masks in schools. Not all schools are doing it, and they're paying no price for ignoring the law. But uh, some schools are still sticking with it, although they're they're willing now to back off kids wearing masks outdoors on the playground. Oh.
1: A practice he, that hasn't been supported by any data since the
2: beginning of the COVID thing. You can't support wearing masks in the classroom. You really can't support wearing masks out on the playground. But some of the some of the schools are loosening up on the playground, though. So you finally get to go outside without a mask. Right. Fantastic. Right.
1: So we got this email from a teacher, happened to be in L.A., uh, talking about the various restrictions loosening. And um, and I guess uh, the outside mandate to wear masks ended at their particular school. Um, and he still sees, he writes, 80% plus of students still wearing masks outside. Um. And uh he mentioned to his students, I was curious about this, because within the next month, the indoor mandate's going to end as well, probably. So I simply asked, why are you still wearing masks outside when you don't need to? I gave no preset answers. I wanted them to respond in any way they wanted. And these statistics, which we mentioned earlier, but are so stunning, we want to make sure you heard them. He has 155 students. About 20% of the kids don't wear masks any longer outside, so never mind. Just 20%, though. About 2% are actually scared of coronavirus. They don't want to get sick. 2%. That's about interesting,
2: because I would have guessed it was higher than that.
1: Yeah, me too. Terrified into uh, paranoia by their parents.
2: Yeah, th- their, kid, their
1: parents have convinced them it's dangerous. Sure, yeah. Uh, about 5% have baby brothers or sisters or grandparents at home who they don't want to get sick. Fair enough. 2 were just ordered by their parents to wear masks, and they do it. Just two out of 155. 70% of the kids has an- had answers which I characterized together because I see the issues as related. And here it comes, my friends, uh, shocking and unanticipated. The largest pile of responses were the masks make them feel comfortable. The masks felt normal and didn't bother them anymore. And that the masks helped hide their insecurity about how they look. They hated a particular part of their face, and the mask hid it. And then the teacher writes, since all this happened, I haven't stopped going back and forth between depression and anger toward the adults who are consciously doing this to our kids. Since I read my students' remarks today, I haven't stopped tearing up, crying, and going into violent rages inside. I love what I do, and I hate my
2: profession. It makes it me sick. There are a whole bunch of kids, if, you're, if your kid goes to a masked school, who have no idea what a bunch of other kids look like and vice versa. And I, because at that age, the way you're so hyper focused on that sort of stuff. I could see how you would think, wait, you know, these people have never seen my face. What are they going to think of it when they find out, you know, whatever it is that you focus on, that's probably nothing to anybody else. My lips are too big. I got a crooked tooth, my nose, my skin, my whatever, my chin. They've never seen it. I'd rather right. keep my mask on. Yeah, teeth, whatever. Uh, that's kind of conscious. And
1: that's important. We could talk about that for an hour. And then there's also the subconscious. They've spent, in some of their cases, two years, which is a substantial part of their lives. I mean, a big percentage of their outside-the-home lives not seeing smiles, not seeing sneers, not seeing looks of confusion or a thousand other facial expressions. Um And so their ability to pick up on nonverbal cues has been arrested precisely at the time in human development you develop that skill. And the kids now are embracing it because they kind of like hiding behind the mask, which is just such a sad arrested development thing. I mean, can you imagine, I can, reading a short story by one of the great authors about uh, parents who were ashamed of their child and made their child wear a mask? So nobody would see their child's face. You know, whether the child's, you know, imperfections were minor or major or whatever, I'll leave that up to your own imaginary author. But we as a society have been doing that to our children. Now they've become so used to being masked, they're afraid to unmask themselves.
2: So this was, we talked about this earlier in the show and asked for text because this was completely news to me. It hadn't even crossed my mind. It makes sense now that I hear it, but it hadn't even crossed my mind. We got a, quite a few texts from people who say, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, for instance, this one. I keep telling my 18-year-old daughter that she doesn't have to wear a mask in the car or at all anymore. She told me that she wants to cover her face because she feels ugly. This person said it absolutely breaks my heart. We got uh, texts from other people who say, yeah, my daughter or son wears a hoodie all the time to hide their body. Now the mask is just an extension of that. And I, I was aware of that. I was aware of the fact that one of the reasons hoodies are so popular with young people, all weather, is because they get to hide their body. Whether you think your boobs are too small or too big or you're a guy and you think, you know, I'm too skinny or too fat, whatever it is, it hides your body. And that's one of the reasons hoodies are so popular. And I didn't know that till a couple of years ago. I had no idea. I don't think I've ever done that. I don't think I've ever put on clothing, a jacket to hide part of my body. Um, maybe I'm just lucky that way. But uh, it's common now. And this mask is just an extension of that. The most um, commented upon part of your body, your face, you can now cover up. And some people have decided, you know, I like it better that way. Wow. Like kids needed another dose of anxiety and discomfort on top of everything else in the depression, and suicide, and everything else that's uh, skyrocketed over the last couple of years. Well, and you know my
1: theories. I think we have uh, t- taught our kids that every insult is oppression, that everybody should have a safe space. They should never hear anybody challenge their ideas because that makes them feel unsafe and and the rest of it that we don't let them play uh, out in the world on their own. We don't let them invent invent their own games and invent their own rules and then enforce them. Uh, just everything is supervised and regimented and uniformed. And now we've we've not only instituted but but you know just required them to wear face masks. And now they're they're so used to it they're afraid not to. Yikes! How does this unwind?
2: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, and so, so what? What percentage of the kids were still wearing masks, even though they didn't have to?
1: Did uh, he give a percentage on that? About seventy percent uh, attributed it to. Well, eighty percent of the kids were still wearing masks. So yeah, so that's that. And, and almost all of them were because they wanted to hide.
2: So that's an interesting number right there. If four out of five kids keep wearing masks they'll They'll be pressured to wear a mask. I remember being that age and just the the push to conform um to be part of whatever kind of group that that's interesting, yeah, yeah, I don't know I hey, don't know how, how long will kids wear masks because they don't want to show their faces? How long will that last?
1: Probably as long as it's permitted in some cases, but they they will and and we are churning out generations of really neurotic kids they will invent some sort of health threat because everybody's got some sort of physical imperfection that they can say yeah i've got a doctor's note saying that i have a tendency toward allergies so i need to wear masks all the time now
2: what do you mean by as long as it's permitted are you suggesting uh, schools say you can't wear a mask at some point uh, for all
1: of human history up until 2020 when was the last time you saw a kid in a mask in school never in my life well right yeah
2: but you think they'd if I had worn a mask to school, you'd think the teachers would have told me to take it off?
1: I don't know. Unless you had some reasonable, uh, unless you had some documented reason to do it, yeah. You certainly Remember, would have been an there object were, there was, of ridicule. Well, yeah, but there were laws being discussed and kicked around not to let people wear masks in public because people were wearing masks and walking into banks and robbing them and, walk out and
2: walking out again immediately prior to COVID. And then now everybody's wearing masks. <laughs> my son, who like if I have to run into the store really fast or something like that, he'll sit in the car um, and he locks the doors uh, and I run in the store and when I come out, <laughs> he always makes me take my mask off <laughs> like they do at the bank. I don't know who you are. Drop your mask. Wow, wow,
1: <laughs> that's funny. Hey, uh, I just wanted to uh, make a note of this uh, because I'm scanning the email, looking for the reactions to the mask thing, and uh, and and some of you have pointed this out uh, in a very pleasant way. Some of you are sad, little angry people who have to be verbally abusive to express yourselves, and I pity wow. you. Um, but but uh, uh, people have said Ukraine's important, and it's really interesting, guys. But I haven't heard you talk a lot about what's going on in Canada. Mm. And you know fair enough, I-, I tell you what we will make you this pledge. I will make you this pledge. Uh, we'll go deep into what's going on in Canada right now with the tin horn little dweeb dictator prime minister suppressing people's rights and and threatening permanent emergency powers as they try to cut uh, crack down on any dissent whatsoever. But that's justified, of course, because we're in a state of emergency. So yeah, we'll we'll go
2: bigger on Canada tomorrow for sure. Got this text. I wear a mask from my car to the liquor store because I don't want anybody to see me going in. So it's okay to wear a. You know, you can get away with wearing a mask now. You don't want everybody noticing it's you going into the liquor store again. See, so you, you use the mask. It's a handy. Wow. Hey, be proud. Be out and proud. I <laughs> likes I likes
1: to sauce. How about back in the day when you had to go behind the beaded curtain in the video store?
0: I remember to get those adult days.
1: entertainment. Yeah, that would have been great to wear a mask then. When I yeah, hey, you doing I'm uh I'm just gonna step over here to the sports videos. Quick right.
2: When I had, uh, had to wear a mask briefly when I was doing chemotherapy and everything like that because I had no immune system, I was it was suggested I wear a mask because my immune system was so low, so it was for me to protect myself. And I felt so weird going anywhere in a mask. And everybody would look at you like, oh, my God, what's wrong with you? Um, it was you know getting to your how many times did you see somebody in a mask? You'd never see anybody in a mask. Never. Mm-hmm. How long will we win now? My grocery store, no rules, but... P- the vast majority of people are in masks. How long will that last? I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's so weird, and it's maybe, maybe 10% of the people in my neck of the woods. But uh, I I think maybe, you know, people getting cancer treatment, that sort of thing, who ought to be wearing a mask, and N95 mask, properly fitting, blah, blah, blah. Uh, The fact that they will be able to in the future, that's probably a good thing. The fact that the kids are so twisted, they're
2: afraid to take them off, that's definitely not a good thing. Oh, my God. That is crazy. If you want to comment on that, text line is 415-295-KFTC.
0: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: I just have this brief statement. If you're of the opinion that Russia invading Ukraine is not a big deal or doesn't have any effect on your life, I think you are flat out wrong. Maybe we'll talk about more on that in coming days as the slaughter begins.
1: I'm just glad Kamala Harris is there in Europe, heading up the American response, right. bonding with our European allies together together. Because we must together...
0: Yes, to together and to work on. Nice. <laughs> That's a good sentence right
1: there. That's... Okay. <laughs> we can even do the whole thing if you wanted. But uh, So it's time for a quick post-mortem on the Olympics, and I use that term intentionally... This article was actually uh, dealing with whether NBC has made a terrible mistake investing a huge amount in the Olympics. And, you know, the time will tell because there's some interesting play, uh, locations coming up that might uh, turn the tide. The uh, future games are in Paris, Italy, and L.A. So, you know, it could be a different tone. But I thought it was really interesting, some of this analysis. Um These Olympics were a disaster for the network. A buzz-free, hermetically sealed event in an authoritarian country a half-day's time zone away where the enduring images will be the emotional meltdown of Russian teenagers after a drug-tainted figure skating competition and a bereft Michaela Schifrin sitting on a ski slope wondering what went wrong. Many American athletes underperformed and arguably the most successful freestyle skier Eileen Gu competed for China. Viewers stayed away in alarming numbers, and NBC has to wonder whether it was extraordinarily bad luck or if the brand of a once unifying event for tens of millions of people is permanently tainted. That's the question. To what extent was it China and and the COVID and the rest of it, and to what extent is the brand tainted? Well, it
2: only comes every four years, each the summer or the winter, and. Much of my excitement about the Olympics is the enjoying it as a kid. But in reality, it was only a handful Olympics I saw as a kid, right? Winter Olympics. Sure. Because, mm-hmm. you know, every four years. Um, my kids do not have a built-in good memory about Winter Olympics because they didn't wow. watch hardly any this year.
1: That's a good point. That is a good point. Um, so that's going to hurt the brand right there. Uh, they make the point that certainly one of the great supporting actors in every Olympics is the host city. It's the culture, the people, even the sponsor activations, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Beijing, like Tokyo last year, took place in an environment where the primary objective was to prevent the spread of COVID-19. That meant no fans or athletes, families in the stands, no quirky stories about the host country, uh, even few announcers. So anyway, uh, the streaming on the Peacock streaming service. Which now is much more widespread and much better known. The whole streaming thing has exploded. It's down forty-two percent from the twenty eighteen games in South Korea. It should
2: be up forty-two percent, right? Yeah, it definitely should be. Just how many more people have Peacock or are aware of it than were aware of it back then? And how about down? By uh, how about watching on NBC? Um, Hold on. (laughs)
1: Coronavirus. Now everybody's got it. Coronavirus!
2: I think it's that new variant of the Omicron.
1: Oh, show off. It's the latest variant. You always got to have the newest best. Uh, Oh, you got the
2: old variant? Lame. All right. Good luck with that.
1: (laughs) That's sad. Is it still holding up okay? I've got the new one. Uh, NBC watching the big uh, peacock. 47% drop. Woof. Huh. Oh, that's right. I wanted to get to this quote. Uh, one woman on Twitter, which I realized, oh my God, now everybody's got it like twice. Now think I need now, to be intubated. I need, I need another booster. Somebody get me a booster.
2: Jeez. <laughs> oh,
1: I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> quoting people. Sneeze,
2: Joe gets jabbed.
1: <laughs> I know quoting a person on Twitter is lame and lazy, but I just like this quote. Ah, uh, the Olympics are over for me. My lasting impression will be fake snow against a backdrop of eighty-seven nuclear reactors in a country with the despicable human rights record during a pandemic, yep. and and kids who can look forward to years of therapy. Meaning the competitors. Pretty, That's much. A pretty good summary. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything beautiful remaining, Jack?
2: Not in the Olympics. or not.
1: Or is the world just a big old crap heap? <laughs> Strong and Getty.